Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. So I'm going to do a manifest measure multiply in the spirit of today. Um, I was thinking this morning, like, and again, you guys probably aren't going to like this idea, but I was just wondering why we don't have a parent's day. Like, I was thinking out loud to myself this morning, like, there's a little bit of separation that goes on with mothers and fathers. And I know, like, you moms, you need your own day. Fathers, it's good to have your own day. But, man, there's something about celebrating the unity of mother and father and what the two of them are together for the children, for, I actually think, the whole earth. So I was thinking about that today, and I'm actually going to kind of speak to moms and dads today under the spirit of this manifest measure multiply theme. Happy Mother or Father's Day, Mark. Thank you, Jason, and thank you for correcting that statement. Yeah, definitely Father. So I just want to spend a couple of minutes talking about men and women and how I think they were originally designed to interact with each other, and then as a result of that, how this idea of manifest, measure, and multiply works inside the original idea God had about marriage. So, I think God's original idea, back before anything existed, I think God's original idea, his first idea, was to have kids. I think as far as we can look back into Scripture, he was even thinking before the foundations of the world, it says in Ephesians that he predestined us as sons. And that word sons is not gender. That is those who look like him. He wanted a world full, a planet full of people that looked like him, sounded like him, and then interacted with him in a family-type relationship. I think that was his original idea. And then I think his best idea was marriage. I think that's then how he wanted to create or fulfill the desire of his heart and his original idea. His original idea, children, kids, big family. And then the way he was going to do it, which I think is his best idea, is bringing a man and a woman together. And when they came together, they would be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Okay? That was the plan. I love those two ideas. I think God's best idea was the result of his original idea. And so today, I just want to honor the Lord with this talk. And I want to interact with you a little bit about this, because I think as we think about this, I, I want you to have a new appreciation for this idea called marriage. I really do. And I, this has kind of been sparked by I was preparing for Dylan and Karis's wedding that happened on Friday. Dylan and Karis are married. And I think they're in Costa Rica right now, if I'm correct. So, and I was, as I was preparing for their, their wedding ceremony, Dawn and I did it together, I could not help but have like this refreshed appreciation for God's idea for marriage. So, I want to talk about this from a man and women perspective, because in today's culture, there's a little bit of a, no, there's not a little bit, there is a lot of intention on trying to blur the line between male and female. Am I right? There's a lot of that going on. And I feel like I want to kind of go back to what God was thinking about 
and kind of simplify. Wisdom is always simple. I want to go back to the simple. I want to go back to what it was that God had in mind for why a man and a woman exist and how they come together. And the result is something really powerful. And I said this to Dylan and Karis, and I know it sounded like really big and global and a very intimate thing called a wedding. But, you know, the man and a woman coming together as husband and wife was the original authority of earth. If you think and go back to Genesis, where he actually tells them to be fruitful and multiply, it says for them to rule over the birds of the air, over the fish of the sea, over everything that creeps on the ground. And then it actually says, over all the earth. That phrase is actually in there, that he blesses them to rule or to have dominion over all the earth. This is never said about anyone else ever again in Scripture, except who? Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That is the only other time in Scripture where an individual or a couple is given that level of authority. For me, that is huge. And it, I was just like reinvigorated with awe about the idea of how important Ron and Ethel Flagel are together. You two are together, fishers. Andy and your lady, Jen. Like, I think it's, it, just take a moment right now and just pause and be prepared to have an increased appreciation for marriage. Okay, so as we think about that, as we think about a man and a woman coming together, now let's begin to delineate, in my opinion, the major difference between a man and a woman. And not only is this seen in you know, the spiritual or in like the soul emotion, but it also is very manifested in the natural. And here, men are seed producers and givers. How are we doing? Am I right on that? Can a woman produce a seed? It's physically impossible. Okay? So a man designed by God to produce and then give away seed. It's who we are. It's how we were made. It's the way God intended it from the very beginning. And dads, fathers, I want you to know this. Every single one of you will father. It doesn't even matter if you are single, and it doesn't even matter if you cannot produce a natural child. You will father because you have seed. And not just physically. Please don't think of this only as physically. I believe the man was designed by God, body, soul, and spirit, to produce and sow seed into the earth. The original intention of man was to constantly shower the earth with seed. A sower went out to sow. I think it's a picture of not only Jesus, but of the man in the marriage. You guys okay? We will all father. Whatever seed we sow will find soil and will produce a harvest. This is the promise God gave us. He says, I'm going to give you seed, and inside your seed is seed. Remember how he talked about the trees and the fruit for future trees was where? In the fruit. 
Like, you can't help this. This is built into the DNA of every living thing. Living things reproduce. And you, the crown of creation, the male version of the crown of creation, is a seed producer and a seed giver. And the more we are aware of the seed we produce and the seed we sow, the more we can understand our harvest. Really important. So, Back to manifest, measure, and multiply. The seed that you produce is the manifestation. Okay? Manifestation means that which comes up and out of you. What you manifest, what you bring from the inside to the outside is the seed you have to sow. Are we good so far? Yeah. It can be a, a word. It can be a thought that you have. It could be one of Jeremy's incredible inventions that are going to come forth into the world. It's going to be something from the inside of you that you take from the depths and darkness of you and bring it out into the light. You guys good so far? And then it could also be, of course, the physical seed on the inside of you. But the more aware we are, dads, men, of the seed inside of us, the more we understand the harvest of our lives. No matter what you are producing seed, intentionally or unintentionally. I want to tell you, it's some of the unintentional seed that is actually of more concern than the intentional. Okay? Because the unintentional seed is almost like, like you didn't even know it happened. Kind of like when the sower went out to sow, it actually says some of the seed fell. That's how it actually the parable goes. Where it almost, it kind of feels like as he was either holding it or his bag had a little hole in it or something like that, some of it fell on his way to the field. And it actually says some of it fell along the path. You guys remember this, right? So, almost feels like that was a little bit of the casual. And then some fell along rocky, and then some fell along thorny. And it wasn't until he got to the good soil, again, this is just Mark's imagination, that he begins to intentionally sow. But along the way, seed falls on other places too. And I think that's happening in all of our lives, that we are casually, unintentionally sowing seed. And it's possible that we're not even realizing that the harvest of some of that casual, unintentional seed is growing up in your life. I think the more powerful a man is, is directly proportional to how intentional he is. The least amount of casual, unintentional sowing a man does is the more powerful his harvest is. So, I want to say this again. The more aware we are, now this back to manifest, measure, and multiply. So you manifest your seed. The more aware you are becomes the measurement. Okay? When you're actually aware of what you as a person are giving to others, that, I believe, gives you a really clear picture of the harvest that's happening in your life. I'm speaking very soberly to guys right now because I believe that there's something really valuable inside the scripture. I believe it was in Matthew 15 where Jesus says, it's actually not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out. Like there are so many simple little principles inside that statement. So what goes in 
not nearly as important at what comes out. Like I, I start thinking about like one of the great responsibilities of a dad is to be the filter for his own household. Like it's actually important that a husband, a father, a, a man in the house is responsible, almost like the gatekeeper of his home and of his family. And if something's going to come into my house, it's got to come through me first. And if it comes through me, I've got to be super intentional about my life that I know how to discern what this seed is that's coming, what this information is that's coming. Because i got to make sure that if it's coming back out of my life, all the fields, all the soil that's in my life is going to get that seed. Men, are you listening? I think one of the great responsibilities of being a man is to be a gatekeeper for society. And there are going to be times where you, literally like a pool filter or like a fish tank filter, like you are not going to let that thing back out into the water. Hello? I want that to settle in because I, I'm not sure many of us have thought about that particular scripture that way. Usually we just think about we can't look at that thing or we can't listen to that thing. Actually, I think, men, what you're supposed to do is look at a thing and say, that's holy. Look at another thing and say, that's not, that can't reproduce. And then men, our responsibility is to stand up in society and say, that must stop, that must multiply. Hello? Yeah. I just want that to sit. That's holy. So let's bring this more practically. How many men in this room have a wife? So, men, you have seed that you sow, physically, spiritually. The physical ones, at the right time of the month, turn into babies. The rest of the time, who knows what happens to it? Anyway, <laughs> but you are sowing all the time. And I want you to know that your lady, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in a minute, but your lady is designed by the Father who made you as a seed giver to be a seed receiver. And it would, okay. This is going to sound a little harsh, but just deal with it for a moment. Even though she might be dormant physically, she is still as fertile as ever spiritually and emotionally. And she is always receiving seed. In fact, I believe God designed a woman to be extremely sensitive to the seed around her. Purposefully. Because she is the multiplying force of the earth. She has a womb, not just physically. I think the physical womb is simply a picture of the spiritual in the emotional and the mental. Like, I cannot believe how if I say one thing to Dawn, she will take that thing and make it into something I never intended. Anyone else? Any other husband? Right? You had one thought and one intention with that thought. And when you brought it forth from your mouth, it was received by your lady, and she... The power and authority she has to take that thought all kinds of different places, it multiplies. And you're standing there like, what? 
Am I the only one? I just need to make sure. Am I the only one? All right, all you guys are saying like, oh my gosh, yes. All of you, you're afraid to do that though. You're afraid to like, like you don't know if you should move, blink. Believe it or not, that is a gift for you, guys. I know most of the time it's not a gift. I'll tell you why it's not a gift. Because you're not as intentional with your seed as you should be. And when you're not intentional with your seed, your soil still acts like soil. Oh man, this is so much fun. So here's the deal. Back to being aware of your seed and being unfortunately then aware of your harvest. You might not realize where your wife's attitude might come from. You might not realize why your children are acting like heathens today. But if you're intentional, you will think back to a week ago where you sowed casual contempt unintentional bitterness, anger, or probably in my mind, the worst one for a wife and children, you ignored them. And you walked by and you were so caught up in whatever it is that you were thinking about or what you did and then know that you have to do that these incredible fields, even in your saying of nothing, you sowed a seed. That is how sensitive the soil is around us, guys. Even when we say or do nothing, we're still sowing seed. You know why? Because your kids, as you walk by them, are thinking, why did dad just walk by me? What's going on? I must not be worth enough for him to take the moment and look at me and say, I love you, or say, nice hair, or say, whatever it is that you tried. Are you guys with me? That's a seed. And all you're doing is walking down the hallway. You're like, I'm not saying anything, which means I'm not hurting anybody. But here's the thing. In not saying things, we like, guys, that's how intentional we have to start being. Because in days and weeks and months later, we begin to see the fruit of our seed. So women, I, I, like... We've kind of already gone into this, but I just want to be intentional and talk to you for a second. I know it's Mother's or Father's Day, but let's just back up a month. Women are seed receivers and multipliers. You were designed by your father that way. You love seed. You love to receive. It's like one of the greatest gifts you have. It doesn't mean you don't give, but it means like you love to receive. It's like you are drinking all the time. You want to you wanna learn. You want to grow. You want to hear. You want to experience. It's, you were designed by God to be very sensitive. You were designed by God that way. To receive, to receive. To, to be sensitive means that you are extremely like, everything feels like something. Hello? The air that's currently blowing, you're probably more sensitive to it than most of us guys. I can't tell you how many times Dawn says it's cold in here or hot in here, and I never even noticed once. Like that's a physical manifestation of a very spiritual reality. Our ladies are walking into rooms and feeling and thinking and sensing things, and you and I are just, like literally, that's what's going on. Go ahead. Hands are colder, or feet are colder, and they put it on you. 
It's because their body is made to draw more energy to the womb and keep that Dude. warm. So that's biologically true. Excellent. See that? I didn't even know that. That's awesome. So that is the beauty and the complexity of a woman. That's why I said back on Mother's Day, I don't know if you remember this or not, us guys have been entrusted with the most complex creature on the planet. No computer will ever compare to that lady. AI doesn't have anything on Don Darniak. There is so much incredible complexity inside of you purposefully. And then he gives it to dumb guys. Like sometimes I'm just like, you got to have a better idea than this, right? But honestly, most of the time we're dumb because we're not intentional. We're not thoughtful. If we were thoughtful, like right now in this moment, every one of you guys is being thoughtful and you're thinking, wow, I have a treasure on my hands. I have a field that if even the wind blows, a seed is brought in. So, ladies, no matter what, even if you're sleeping, when, when, a, when a physical woman is pregnant with a physical child, she is sleeping and forming fingernails and corneas and kidneys. She is not waking up on Tuesday morning saying, I am making a leg today. Right? A pregnant woman, is just, it's just happening on the inside of them. And I want to tell you, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally, the exact same thing goes on inside of a lady. Guys, I have been married for 30 years, and I've raised three girls, and I can tell you this. A girl sometimes doesn't even realize what's going on on the inside of her. Many times, it's that same level of... I, how you and I guys are not nearly as intentional as we should be, same with ladies. Sorry, it's the truth. Now you can be, I actually think a woman has more power to be intentional than us simply because of the sensitive nature she has. But over time, it's so overwhelming, all the thoughts, all the feelings, all of that, that at some point in time, it's almost like if I was going to be intentional with all of that, I could do nothing else. Girls, is that an amen or not? Okay, no one's talking to me. Whatever you receive into yourself, ladies, because you are fertile fields, whatever you receive will multiply. You were designed by God that way. The more aware you are of the seed that is coming into your field, coming into your soul, coming into the eye gates, the ear gates, the feeling gates, all of that, the more aware you are of that, the more you will understand your harvest. Just as us guys need to be more intentional about the seed we sow, I think ladies have a similar responsibility to be very aware of what's coming at you. So, when we have this dynamic going on between a man and a woman, and it's, it was always made to be in the context of marriage that this dynamic takes place, seed sowing, seed receiving, 
The context of marriage, if you go to Ephesians 5, it talks about this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church, gave himself up for her. And I love this phrase. It says, sanctifies. Jesus sanctifies his church. And I was telling Dylan and Karis on Friday that that word sanctify means to treat like holy. So Allie, you want to find a guy who when they look at you, all they see is she's holy. And when you have a guy who looks at a girl and treats her like holy, you know you got a good one. Because if a guy thinks that she is holy, he will carry her and treasure her and speak to her intentionally, thoughtfully, carefully. He won't just do whatever he wants to do with her. It's not like... You know, the job site thermos where you throw it around and you know it's going to be fine. You can keep drinking out of it. No, it's like the crystal. They may have a crystal like glass or vase or something like that. Like when you carry that thing, you're like, ah. Like when Adam, uh, Paul talks about Adam and Eve and, and, you know, Eve is always supposed to be kind of like under Adam. There's actually a very specific spiritual reason why Paul says that. Paul is not saying that Eve should be under a man just because he's trying to devalue women. I want to explain to you what Paul was talking about when he talks about a man and a woman. He recognizes the sensitive nature of ladies. He realizes that they're feeling and thinking and experiencing things men are not. But inside the context of a husband who loves his wife and treats her as holy is this incredible freedom to open herself up and receive freely from the one who loves her and treats her as holy. So this thing called wives submit to your husbands, how many people love that phrase? It's an incredibly safe phrase. But it's only safe in the context of a husband who treats his wife as holy. Hello? The word submit, I'm repeating all everything I talked to Dylan cares about, but it's so inside of me right now, I cannot help it. The word submit actually has its root in receive. That's what the word means. So when any of us, man or woman, submit to someone, our heart actually turns and opens toward them. When you submit, you turn and you open. If you just submit in the name of obedience, that's not submission. That's obedience. Obedience is different than submission. Obedience means I will do what you say so I don't receive any kind of punishment. That's what obedience is. Submission is, I literally bow my knee, open my heart, and I receive from. Big difference. You can have someone who obeys you and their heart is completely locked to you. You can't get a thing inside their heart, but they'll listen to you and do what you say because they're afraid of what will happen if they don't. Submission is, I have found a safe, beautiful place to open my heart. So when it says, wives, submit to your husbands, the context is the husband is treating her as holy, just like Jesus treats the church. So when I'm not walking thoughtfully with Dawn, and I'm being unintentional, and I'm being casual, she actually has a responsibility to stop submitting and to stand up and say, wait a minute, you have forgotten who you are and who I am. Hello? 
I actually think in that moment, a wife is submitted to Christ and brings her husband back into submission to Christ. How are we doing? Ooh, I hope you heard that because that is a powerful dynamic that can happen in marriage. Now, the problem is, is when there is a man who is actually treating his wife as holy and loving her as Christ loves the church, and she still stands up and tries to tell him what to do. In that moment, there's not submission. And then there's competition. There's actually two people trying to be seed giver. Hello? I hope you guys are hearing this. The beautiful context here is that when there is a man who recognizes he is a seed giver and he can't just give any seed out into the atmosphere. And let's say just for a moment, the atmosphere is his lady. He can't just give anything out, so he's being thoughtful. He is in the presence of the Lord. He is submitted, receiving from the Father himself. And as a result, he turns and pours his seed into his lady because he sees her as holy. The result then is the lady turns, her heart opens, and she receives the seed of her husband. And then as the seed comes in, the multiplication of that seed, because when a seed goes into the ground, the seed dies, but the seed brings forth more seed. This is the beauty of the be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This is how it happens. And when we're intentional, you and me, and when we're intentional and our words have weight and thought and prayer behind them, they are sown into that incredible soil. And that soil multiplies the seed. And here's the beautiful thing. In a marriage, you get the one little seed of love that you give to Orpha. She is going to give back to you a harvest of that love that is way more than you gave her. And then you take that seed and you, and you just, it's like this beautiful multiplication, growing thing that takes place inside of the marriage ceremony. I don't mean just on a wedding day, but I mean all the time. That ceremony is an ongoing thing. Now, the opposite can take place. Nick can come home and have a bad day. Sleep didn't go well, whatever it is. And he comes home and he's just kind of short with mom. Or... Worse, walks right by her like we talked about before. You know how sensitive she is, right? You know how sensitive she is. Like everything means something, and usually everything means 10 different things all at the same time, right? And I know that, you know that's true, because that's happening inside of you too, Allie. And so here's what happens. Nick is just walking along. I'm just going to bed because I'm really tired. And when he finally wakes up, he's like refreshed. And now he's intentional. And he comes down. Hey, Diane. And Diane's like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Nick's like, every single guy has said this. And whatever comes forth out of Diane, Nick's reply is, where did that come from? Is there any guy in the room that has never said that before? If, probably only the unmarried ones. We've all asked that question, where did that come from? More likely than not, it came from you. And that's exactly how God designed it. It was meant to be like this wake-up call. Like our lady is meant to be a wake-up call, almost like a mirror. But the mirror is not just what you see. The mirror is a multiplied version. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's a fun house. It's like the mirror's got like you fat here and skinny here and all that kind of stuff. Like you don't even know where this thing came from. And guys, I just tell you, most of the time it came from you. If it didn't come from you, you should actually be more concerned. Because don't forget, the marriage dynamic is your heart turns to your wife and gives the seat. And in, the, in a healthy marriage dynamic, the wife's heart's turned toward the husband and she receives the seat. It's worse when the heart's wife is turned toward someone or something else and you don't even recognize the harvest that's coming forth from your wife. That's a real problem. And that's happening in every household where the hearts are not turned toward one another. And there are so many influences asking for your lady's attention. There are so many seed producers out there and they cannot wait to get a hold of the fertile field inside of your lady. And the lack of intention that you provide or, or the intention you don't provide encourages her to go look for someone that is sowing seed intentionally into her. How are we doing? My guys, I hope you hear this. You were designed. Let's just talk about this open heart thing. Harold Everly taught this to Dawn and I a long time ago, and I absolutely love this. An open heart that turns and receives. Whatever it's receiving from becomes its life source. And the more it receives, the more it draws, and the more it wants more. And so in a husband-wife relationship, the key is that the husband is an intentionally loving, sowing seed, treating as holy. A lady is flourishing under that love, under that attention, under that sowing. And she multiplies the seed, offers it back freely like this unbelievable harvest. And the man is so impressed and so feeling loved and appreciated by the field that he has sown into that he keeps his heart turned toward his soil. Hello? I can tell you back in Genesis 3 where it says that, uh, and you guys might need to help me out here because I want to get the words at least somewhat right. One of the curses as a result of the fall is that, uh, help me out, one of you need to help me out, that a woman will be desiring her husband, but her husband will be like uh, focused on his work. It's basically like the feeling that you get. One of the curses is. So one of the curses is, is that a woman will be seeking after the attention, seeking after the seed sowing of the man, but the man's heart will be turned toward his work because the fields no longer just produce because he walked by. Now he's got to toil. Now he's got to spend more effort. And as a result, he can't put all of his effort, hello, where it was intended to be. This is one, like, I feel so many other messages like dovetailing into this one. That's why I feel like the sooner you get your money that you worked for to work for you, the more you can fix your eyes back on the one who you're to treat as holy. Hello? Like all these things begin to dovetail toward each other. So this is such an incredible opportunity and the earth is longing for this dynamic to be healthy. Because don't forget, back in the very beginning that we talked about, the earth's original authority is what? I need someone to say it. I just want to make sure I wasn't talking to nobody. It's marriage. 
is a husband and wife freely sowing, freely receiving, multiplying the seed. And then, like, the point is, is this lady produces so much seed, the man could never eat it all, and so it gets shared freely with the whole earth. Hello? Who is the first person? Let's go back to real farming stuff. Rodney, help me out. Who's the first person to gather the harvest in farming? The farmer. He, he does the work, so he gets... He... Oh, see, did you guys hear that? He does the planting, so he reaps the harvest. And ladies, I want you to hear this in the spirit I'm offering it to you. Your husband better be the first one to get your harvest. Before anyone else gets an opportunity at the harvest of seed on the inside of your marriage, it's got to be your husband. If he is not the first reaper, the first beneficiary of the incredible, bountiful harvest on the inside of you, you're going to have a cranky husband. If you haven't already figured this out, guys are kind of simple. Like super simple. We don't need a lot of things. We just need a lot of a few things. Am I wrong? Is there a man in this room that's not agreeing with me right now? We just need a few things and just a lot of them. And once you have bountifully provided that harvest, then share it freely with everybody else. But I am telling you, a man will become resentful quickly when other people experience your harvest and he, he does not. Hello? Women, sorry, men, it's the exact same thing. If you are sowing seed in other fields prior to your lady getting your best, you want to talk about a troubled home. Give your best seed outside of the house. You will constantly trouble your household. Your lady and your children were designed to get the best seed, the initial seed, the first. Hello? Before I sow, and I've made this mistake in my marriage where I would give other people my best stuff. Early on, like in the name of building whatever it was I was building, ministry, business, or whatever. And I have reaped the consequences of that, and I will not do that anymore. In my family, Dawn gets my best. And when Dawn gets my best, my kids are happy. Hello? I can promise you this. There is a peaceful household when a wife gets the best of the husband, and then the wife is bountifully showering that husband with the bountiful harvest. Do you want to say something, Reese? Hold on. I, I, I want to do this. I want to give microphones. So I just, I, I think about the concept of like the man turning himself toward his work and the woman turning herself in sort of like toward the man. And I think I see a lot of guys that say, well, I have to turn myself toward my work to provide for my family. Like, I have to focus in on that work and it has to have my best so that my family is provided for, right? Like, my best. And I think that uh, maybe uh, this is maybe conceptual, but something that I think we as men need to do better is to be able to turn our hearts toward our family 
toward our wives while we're working. And that, it, it sounds like I don't have to be with Angela in the moment to be turned toward her. But it, she's still going to get my best. She's still, even if I'm working an eight, 10, whatever hour day I have to work because that's the situation we're in, that doesn't mean that my heart is turned toward that thing. And I think that's, if we can, if we can understand that and do that, be turned toward them, even in the work. Yeah. Yeah, you can turn your skill and your expertise towards your work and have your heart still directed towards your girl. Absolutely. Reese just shared what I was going to share, but yeah. I was saying, like, me personally struggle a lot with that because when, um, like, we moved to New York, then we moved back here, and then, you know, I had to figure out what to do for work. And so in order to feel like I was trying to provide everything for Amanda, I had to turn everything toward work. I couldn't understand why, like, I'm, like, slaving away, like, 60-plus hours a week to try to provide for her, and then it was not good at home because she was just frustrated that I wasn't there, and I couldn't understand because I felt, like, justified by saying, mm -hmm. I'm doing all this mm -hmm. for you. And it's, it's almost this catch-22 because as, because I turned my heart to my work instead of my wife to provide for my wife. I lose my wife in doing that. And so it's always a, it's always a, I think it's always going to be a struggle as long as we're working that we just have to constantly be aware that I think we'll naturally turn our hearts to what we're currently working on. But I think what Reese was saying was good, was just to in that, yeah. be conscious of that. And to also make sure that you're not neglecting that or maybe you have to evaluate something you know mm -hmm. if it's if it's become like an obsession or like all-consuming yep you know again if you hear this as blame you're not hearing it accurately but oftentimes men will turn their hearts to their work because they're seeing more fruit there than when they turn their hearts toward their ladies now, that's not blame on the lady. I'm simply saying men will always turn their hearts where they see the most fruit, where they see the most harvest. It's how we were designed. I'm telling you, we're simple people. We're looking for harvest. Guys, we're, guys are looking for an abundance on the seed they sow. And oftentimes work provides almost like instant gratification. When I do this, I get this. Whether it's a paycheck, whether it's whatever was produced in the work and all of that, and sometimes, ladies, you're a little harder. It's worth it. Don't get me wrong. Like, Maria, you are seriously worth it, but you take some effort. <laughs> and so maybe on behalf of every man in the room, just every once in a while make it a little easy on us. Not all the time, because we don't grow if it's always easy. Hello? Like... I think, again, little nugget here, I think maturity of a man is often tied to how intentional he is. The more of your thoughts and the more of your action, men, that you actually thought about before you did it is a measure of your maturity. If you're just doing things out of second nature or out of reaction to whatever's going on around you, that's not maturity. Anyone and everyone can do that. Babies do that. But men, literal men, will act out of thoughtful and powerful intention. And that is often linked to maturity. Okay?
All right, let me just see if I said everything I wanted to say today. So, men, we must be intentional with what we allow in. We talked about that. And the resulting seed would produce. Whoever receives our seed will multiply it. Okay? So our children need our seed. Just like our wives need our seed, our children need our seed. And I've said this before. I want to say it again. There's times where I was getting ready this week and I was thinking, you know, I've, I used to teach this stuff years ago, but I wonder if some of the people that are currently at who have heard this or not. So I, I might say some things that you've heard before. It's okay. Just take it as a good reminder. I have found that as a dad, boys need my quantity of time. We don't even have to go, like, go do special things. But Anderson and I would spend a lot of quantity time together. Anderson, just get in the truck. We're going to go here. Or we're going to go do this thing. Boys need quantity time with their dads because they are constantly drawing, watching, learning from their father. Okay? That's how I believe boys learn how to be men, is by consistent quantity time with dad. Your girls do not need quantity time with you. Girls need quantity time with mom because they're going to do the same thing that boys are doing with dad. They need to learn the femininity. They need to learn what it means to be a woman. And the more time they spend with mom, in the, wherever it is, whatever you're doing, at work, at the house, driving around, whatever it is, spend time with your daughters, ladies. And then dads, the more quality time we spend with our ladies, they are learning how to be properly treated by a man. As we spend quality time with our girls, they're learning, oh, okay, so I can't, when I'm hanging out with a guy later in life, they can't just say whatever they want to say or do whatever they want to do. They got to treat me like my dad treated me or even better. Every dad should say amen to that. Hopefully each generation should be getting better than us. And then girls the same way, quality time with your sons. If there's quality time with the lady, and not, sorry, quantity time with the lady and not with the dad, we're going to see some of these grade areas. I'm sorry, but I think these gender roles are getting grade because of, I believe, this simple principle not being followed on a regular basis. I know some people have heard, will have heard what I just said and say that's old-fashioned or that's whatever the word is. Male chauvinistic. I've heard a lot of people say like traditional roles of male and female should not be talked about anymore. I've heard it said. And I think it's a, I think it's one of the main, in fact, I might even go as far to say it is the main reason for the breakdown in society we are seeing today. And I think it's before children exist. I think it starts with husband and wife. If we can get this simple and powerful dynamic restored in our homes now so that our children see it in action, then our children will be healed and they'll walk out into the world with this current proper understanding. I think we can have a revolution of purity of what it means to be a man and a woman and an understanding of that and an operation of that again in society. I think we need it desperately. Tia, do you want to say something? Here.
Okay, I don't know how this is gonna come out, but um, so how important is it to have the example that you're talking about within the context of marriage, but as a young woman growing up and you don't have that example, you don't yeah. have that picture. So now as a young woman, like who is dating or who is like going through experiences, how am I supposed to go into that relationship and submit and, right. you know, be willing to be sown when you don't have that example? Yep. Great question. Well, I'll give you one answer. There's a lot of really smart people in this room, but I'll give you one answer. First of all, the DNA pattern's already on the inside of you. So you got the cheat code already inside of you. Even if you never saw it in your natural life, it's in you. Like the DNA of who it is that you are as a woman is already in there. So the second thing I would also say to that is there are incredible examples around you that might not be your physical mom and dad. And my encouragement to you would be to like hang out in those environments. Like literally be around it. Okay, I didn't get it when I was in my younger years, but Lord, I want to be teachable now in my 20s and I want to learn this from, name them. And just intentionally say, hey, I'm coming to your house tomorrow. I just want to hang. I just want to be around you. It's available. There are lots of mom and dads that don't have your name, but still could be a mom and dad to you. I could demonstrate it for you. But then also, like, just literally spend time with the Lord and ask him to activate what it means to be that, because it's already in there. Anybody else have something they want to say to that question? Because it's a powerful question. Mike. So... <laughs> Orf and I come from very, very different backgrounds. And um, like I, there's a lot of things she just gets because of how she was raised. Um, it just comes very easy for her. It is really hard for me a lot of times um, because of like how I was raised and what I was exposed to. So that term chain breaker is something that every single day I live with and you talk about being intentional and like, like that is, so anyone who's had struggles and grew up around dysfunction, like know that you can be the chain breaker. And like mm -hmm. that, that motivates me every single Amen. day to be the best father, husband. So like I study people all the time, you know, and, and try to learn from, from people that have been through this and, you know, that are being good dads, good husbands. And, and then that inspires me to try to do that as much as possible. So, you know, no matter what you grow up around, you can, you can do that. So it's starting with you. Just to kind of come back to what you said, um, I grew up as an only child and my parents were always there for me. They also got divorced from my freshman year of college. And so I'm thinking, Looking back on the relationship, it was, it was a bit of a train wreck most of the time, and I knew that. Um, I started coming to Who when I was 17-ish, so it was a long time ago. I had some really great examples of a marriage that I wanted. We had Mark and Don, BJ and Becky. Like I think of all these incredible families, Jean and Karen, growing up that I saw. I hung out with them. I was with them a lot. I was in their home as a teenager, 
as a you know, young 20s, when we got married, we were with these people a lot. And I think, you know, my father-in-law said to me a couple weeks ago, how did you turn out the way you did with the parents that you had? And I think I had, I made a commitment at a, at a young age at, to the Lord that said, I know what I want and I know what you have for me. And I surrounded myself with what I wanted. And I didn't waver from that. And I look at what I have. Oh, dang. Like the Lord's good. And he will direct you and guide you because that's in you. And he will hold the promises that he has towards you. And you will hold the promises that you have towards him. Thank you, Lord. Beautiful. I mean, look at what you have. Look at this. Thank you. I think that was a great way to end it right there. You know, and I think, you know, all of this marriage thing, Paul says it was really just a picture of Jesus and his church and his bride. Jesus being the seed giver, us being, we all get to be a bride. So all you guys, if you really want to know what it feels like to be a woman, just remember that you're the bride. And you are supposed to be that one that receives freely. It's what the whole fruit of the Spirit means. I mean, we're actually made by God to take his seed, multiply it, so that our life literally brings forth love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. All of these things are made to flow from us because we're the soil of Jesus, the seed giver. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for this incredible example that you've given us. And Father, I ask, and I just, right in the middle of June, I bless every marriage in this room. May every one of you experience a rejuvenated sense of intention, of joy, that you get to be husband and wife. I bless you with that joy and that privilege. For those of you that want to be married but aren't yet in this room, I bless you with a vision of what it means to be happily married. And may God help you to fulfill that vision. Father, may we all together walk in this promise that you gave us way back in the beginning to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. May it be filled with good fruit that comes from a healthy marriage. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you. Thank you. Happy Father's Day, boys. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.